Hello and welcome to the Patterpod. Today, my guest is Ellen Pearson. Hello, Ellen. Hello. How are you doing today? I'm I'm good. I've I've just come back from the gym and I'm just covered in a a light sheen of sweat. So I'm I'm glad no one can see me. Oh, lovely! Didn't, <laughs> yeah. didn't decide to shower before Patterpod. I don't take that personally. <laughs> no, well. <laughs> <laughs> I could have I could have showered but then I worried about the headphones and wet hair that I'd be electrocuted or something. Oh okay. I was saying Great. that out loud sounds very stupid. <laughs> oh no not at all. I think you've got very conscientious views there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, did you go for a run today? Is that did I see that? Oh, I did go for a run today. So I haven't gone for a run. It's been over a week since my last run. Oh okay. And in said week I have <laughs> Uh, resumed uh, some alcohol drinking but I did that in quite a steady way over about five days well you know um, you only celebrate your 21st once you know my 21st yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, and I've also eaten a lot there was a lot of eating out which was great because it was a really yeah. good experience just to mm. eat out but like eating healthy was just off no well I just think I am a firm believer in just giving up on any sort of eating for morals (laughs) eating for your own health I mean after my recital I decided to take up dairy again um, and oh my gosh it's been glorious so your reason to not have dairy was that? Well, here's the thing. It, it's it's not good for me at all, but that's not usually a concern. Um, <laughs> it's it's more about that my recital is quite early in the morning and so my singing lessons. And if I eat dairy, I get quite a lot of phlegm. Um, so early in the morning so I decided to just cut it out for like a month although I say that but we did go for dinner and I did have a pizza so you know just take everything I say with a pinch of salt Um, (laughs) but yeah no I I gave it up for a little bit and then as soon as it was done lots of people gave me chocolate I got cookies it was amazing and I'm just not looking back I don't know how I'll ever go back to being dairy free to be honest (laughs) (laughs) just to explain to our listeners, we should probably explain how we know each other. Yes. Um, we know each other through Salford Cathedral because you're mm-hmm. currently one of our choral scholars. Yes. Uh, but you're also studying at the Royal Northern. Yes, I am. Yes. Uh, so where are you at now in terms of what year are you in? So I've just done my third year recital. So um, next year is my final year of undergrad. And then um, I don't really know what I'm going to do after that. I well, definitely a postgrad, but I just don't know where. So yeah, that's that's kind of what's running through my head at the moment. (laughs) (laughs) Uncertainty. Mild panic. Yeah. Mild panic. I think that's generally the rest of the population right now. (laughs) Uh, So you're in good company, and you're a you're a mezzo. Would you describe yourself as mezzo? Oh, there's lots of debate on this on this subject <laughs> but I identify as a mezzo in my core okay and that's great. all that matters yeah yeah exactly yeah. because that that comes through in the singing thank you um <laughs> and has it always been singing did you play any other instruments okay so when I was younger um so I my mom I was very lucky that my mum worked for a um like a music agency and she had she was the manager of this sort of music center and when I was really young um she well I don't remember this but uh, this is told to me the story that um she sort of took me to this huge symphony orchestra rehearsal for this youth center 
and she let me walk around look at all of the instruments and she said which one do you want to play because obviously she wanted me to be able to play one of them and I just thought the violin looked cool I just liked the first violin section as like a status thing I'm pretty sure and um yeah I just I just loved the violin so I started that I think when I was about four and um you know we 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 had we had a few issues me and the violin but the issue was that obviously my mum is a singer and singing teacher so uh, she didn't want to start me on singing too early and you know me get sort of resentful but you know at the end of the day I think it it was uh, what I was meant to do and uh, violin was just it was I love playing the violin. The, the violin doesn't like me playing it. That's what okay. I have to say. <laughs> I just, I find that, so you said you started playing violin at age four. Yeah. I'm, I'm, and that your mum didn't want to start you on singing too early. I mean, that feels like it's the wrong way around. Yeah. You know, I, it's a difficult instrument. Oh, thank you. It is. Yeah, guys, come on. And I always, <laughs> I, I always say to people that have to share a house with me and listen to me practice it once in a blue moon, I always say, you know, professionals make squeaky noises too on the violin. Yeah. It's not just amateurs, but um, it is a hard instrument, but it's so, I just love violins and violin music and I love violinists okay <laughs> this, right. is, this is very I don't know why I'm being so nice all of a sudden oh weird um but yeah I just oh my gosh I love I love watching people play the violin as well it's yeah. just gorgeous so yeah um I had a good go at it but um I got I mean I got to grade eight so That's basically, right. basically yeah. the end no <laughs> um but yeah, I remember my violin teacher saying to me, um, you know, Ellen, if, if you practiced, you, you could actually be very good at the violin. But playing the violin and the, the physical act of holding something up for a long time, I just, I've always had weak arms. I know that sounds like an excuse. It is an excuse. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I, I didn't really practice it enough to ever become very good at it. But my sister played the piano a lot. Oh, right. Okay. Um, she was very, very good at the piano. And obviously my mum, my mum actually started as a pianist and then changed to singing um, at uni. And um, so I was just surrounded by a lot of p- piano playing, which just I've seen, ever since then, I'm just obsessed again with pianos. I love listening to pianos being played, pianos being played. Oh my God. It's like I've never spoken English before. And I love, I just love most piano music I adore so yeah I was just I was very lucky to be surrounded by lots of music and I didn't pick it up you know I didn't pick up the instrumental knowledge I I never quite learned how to play the piano I'm trying now okay um but yes and then at you know at a certain age my mum started teaching me singing and then um yeah and then it all sprang from there so that would have been quite a musical upbringing Oh, definitely. I mean, and my sister um, usually chose to practice um, on very, very early in the morning. So (laughs) whether I wanted to or not, I would listen to her practice. Um, uh, It's usually how I woke up, you know, before school. And, you know, there was just, yeah, there was always music. I mean, my dad's not at all musical, but he has his own special music taste that we all take the piss out of. Um, um but yeah it was just so I was just surrounded by 
lots of different music. And also a lot of the time, because I really liked what my mum did and I thought it was really interesting, she would just take me to work with her instead of me going to school. Uh, <laughs> mother of the year alert. Um, but in a, in a, in a weird way, <laughs> that's sort of, that's a huge part of who I am today because that inspires my sort of passion for it because I, from a young age, have sort of engaged with it in a weird way. Like I'd watch her lecture people or do masterclasses. And so I've always just been like, just hugely obsessed with listening to and watching music. Yeah. Sounds so like hippie-ish, don't I? But it sounds like it's not, it's more than just uh, like an interest or a hobby. It's like part of your, part of your being. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I think there's that whole thing about musicians is like you ask them what their hobby is and they're just they don't have one because. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, tell me about it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's kind of what it is. I mean, I talk to everyone about me. I I don't think I have any friends that I've not made through music. Yeah. Um, And so it's just like too integral to my life. You know how people say, you know, oh, this terrible thing happened to me. So I stopped. I stopped singing or whatever, which is obviously completely valid and I can understand that. But for me, that's never been it. Music will just always be a constant and it's just something that takes me through things or, you know, or makes me feel really rubbish. <laughs> I remember um, in second year, we had an essay assignment and we had to choose um, a song cycle, I think, or some sort of, uh, oh, I think it was 19th century piece. Anyway, so I chose Winterizer. Right. as a song cycle to sort of study and it was amazing I listened to the Jonas Kaufman and Helmut Deutsch recording non-stop um, for a few months and then I, I just sort of you know just sort of came into myself and, re- and realized I've just been in a really bad mood for, for ages and then I realized it was well I think actually my mom said to me you've been listening to Winterizer non-stop I mean and I'd just been listening to this horrible like amazing music but just the gloomiest noises (laughs) ever but it's just like music just completely changed my changes my mood and I actually am not usually one of those people that listens to music to like be sad I usually look to it for like comfort and fun and cheerfulness Okay, so what do you what do you do to feel sad? Do you like put a film on or something? Oh, I usually, you know what, just sitting silently and just um <laughs> just sitting silently and just, you know, sitting sitting with the sadness is usually enough to make me cry. Oh, wow. Um or it's just, you know, I usually cry from stress. Um so and and it's a rare, rare, rare day that I would listen to something to make me sad. And that would have to be a day when I feel frustrated. Okay. Like, yeah. I remember there was um, one particular service at the church where I made so many mistakes. And in my head during the service, I was just like, why are you doing this if you can't sing properly? But then <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I was walking home and I felt so frustrated, but I couldn't get myself to cry. So I think I put on something like... Um, have you ever heard the song When She Loved Me from uh, from Toy Story 2? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's like my ultimate cry song. And I, I just put that on and it just, they came, they flowed. When somebody loved me, everything was beautiful. Every hour spent together lives with me. 
within my heart. It's rare that I would search out sadness. I mean, do you do you use music for sadness? No, I mean, I'll cry at anything. Like if like a kid goes up to another kid and gives them a hug, I'm like, oh my god, that's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, um, just people being nice. <laughs> but I don't think I. No, I try not to search out sadness because that doesn't feel like a good thing for me to do yeah, um, exactly. it's difficult it's difficult I, honestly when I was in my Vinterizer phase honestly anyone could say anything to me and I would give them a stormy look and I would just be in you know introspective being very aloof <laughs> <laughs> um but uh, yeah it just it just completely changes everything really it, it's amazing so do you have any hobbies then that are outside of music <laughs> and like if you say no that is there's no relatable. shame thank you I've yeah. set myself up basically to say no um well the thing is when someone says what hobbies do you have I always feel a bit pathetic saying like uh reading but I don't know I I like reading I like taking baths I like going out for food I definitely like going to the gym yeah um mm. I love oh at the moment I'm just loving a little bit of weightlifting. Okay. But also, for me, working out is nothing if I haven't got good music on and I'm not actively dancing to it. And today at the gym, I did get some weird looks. But, you know, who cares? When I used to go running and then I fell over and it traumatized me, but um, I would stop at traffic lights and have a little boogie. There's no point in working out if you're not enjoying it. But there is just something fundamentally exciting about being able to lift something up that's heavy. Yeah. 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 (laughs) And I'm, oh my gosh, I love that. I get a real kick from it and I feel so basic getting a kick from it. But yeah, it's it's great. Um, And where is, where was home for you? So uh, I come from Kent. Um, I come from a little, tiny little uh, market town. And yeah, it's just, do you know what I love about, I'll just, I'm just gonna, you know what, I don't usually brag about Faversham. Um, (laughs) But Faversham is great because on a Tuesday morning, when I used to walk to school, it would just be deserted. It's a little bit like, you know, in Shaun of the Dead where there's just no one walking around. Yeah. It's just like a zombie. That's basically Faversham in the winter. And it's, I love it. I love it. Um, I love being in cities, but, you know, you need somewhere to to retract back to. Yeah. And um, I live in the middle of nowhere and I have two dogs. So we go on lots and lots of walks and then try and go even more in the middle of nowhere on our walks. And it's heaven. I love it. And there's so much green. I love Manchester for all of its sort of crazy, exciting people who were just being themselves. I love that. It's very authentic. And I I do like I like the red brickiness. I like the the you know the dirt, the grit. <laughs> <laughs> but I do also love um going home and being like surrounded by trees and um you know like seeing horses and oh when I was home um for Easter I saw loads and loads of lambs and it was just beautiful. <laughs> It's oh, I love I love. Do you were you born were you born in Ireland? Do you have like a countryside background? Yeah, so um, I yeah we lived in uh, the foothills of the Mourn Mountains in okay. uh, County Down. Amazing. And we I lived on a farm 
grew up on a farm. We had yeah. sheep, cows, potatoes to fulfill the cliche. <gasps> and uh, yeah, so like my life was outdoors growing up mm-hmm. and we were all, we all had a part to play like on the farm and yeah, it was great. And I look at my niece and nephew now who are, my sister lives across the valley from where my parents live and where we all mm. grew up. And those two kids are having the same upbringing that we all had, like just yeah. being, you know, knee deep in dirt and not having any issues with like animals, like feeling very comfortable being around animals and nature and yeah. and all of that, which is just really, it's really great. But I mean, farming wasn't for me as the only, <laughs> as the only boy of, uh, with three sisters, yeah. the expectation was that I was going to you know, take over the farm and that was okay. definitely not going to happen. And then as a teenager, <laughs> I was like, why am I doing this? And to be a farmer is such, such hard work. Yeah. And I, I just don't see, I can see why people do it. And the, like what you get back, the sort of job satisfaction mm. of it, but it's not for me and I'm yeah. not going to pursue <laughs> that. And by that stage, I'd developed an interest in music. So I was doing mm. a lot more of that. Um, so now my life, so my, my housemate the other day, day described me as a, a bit of a city boy, yeah. which is hilarious because I don't necessarily feel like that, but I guess I am now. Yeah. Um, but I love having the balance between the two. I love working in the city and like being around people and everything you described, like mm. the buildings and, and all of that. But mm getting back into the countryside and just going for a walk and you know going for a walk with friends or whatever just going on your own is so is so what I need yeah to to balance the whole thing out oh it's just fabulous I can't imagine I can't imagine how hard it must be for people who don't come from the countryside (laughs) (laughs) no well do you know what I know a lot of people who were actually born born in you know London or whatever or Manchester and they have the sort of rebellion thing of I when I'm older, I'm gonna live in the countryside. Whereas when I was a teenager and we were having power cuts and just having to sit doing nothing for a whole yeah. evening, <laughs> um, I was like, Oh, I love cities. I wanna live in a city. And a lot of the time, like in January, um, it snowed and uh all of our oil lines froze so we had okay. no no heating and we had to be uh, stoking the fires at all times my dad would fall asleep and and the fire would go out and i would cry and i was like i'm never going to live in the countryside when i'm older but um i just i do love it so before we get onto your seven tracks is there any music that you don't like oh <laughs> I love all music and I'm willing to listen to anything apart from reggae. Really? Okay. Reggae makes me feel like I'm running late. There's something about it. I just never feel, the beat is just always (laughs) behind where I want it to be. It's like, it feels like it's getting slower. And um, yeah, so, you know, I, and I really tried. This is the thing. Okay. Hear me out. My parents both, don't understand this and you know that my dad's a big reggae fan and he'll just play you know one love or something and there's just something about I I think I might be too neurotic for it that's the issue and so it's just it's just uh why aren't we staying on time why are we getting slower 
Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's it. <laughs> that's um, a very familiar trope. <laughs> um, but we'll not talk about that. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. Yeah, so, yeah, that's the only thing I won't listen to. Of course, there are lots of things I haven't listened to. I've never really pursued, you know, like um, metal, like screaming, stuff like that. Yeah. But I'm sure I could find one song from that that I'd be like, oh, that's really meaningful. I love that. <laughs> Um, but yeah, reggae, no, reggae and me are never going to be friends. Okay. I mean, that's fine. That's yeah. fine. Oh, no, don't try and force me, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> so the next section of this podcast is the reggae section. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Great. Well, let's get stuck into your tracks, I think. Um, take it away with your first track. Okay. So, uh, just a bit of background. Um, so my first track is When the Sun Goes Down by Arctic Monkeys, the Arctic Monkeys. And um, basically when I was younger, for, for whatever reason, we just sort of used to drive around a lot. <laughs> um, I think it was just to visit friends and, you know, because we used to visit France quite a lot and we'd drive there. So, yeah, we, w- we would drive around a lot. And my so I would be forced to listen to my parents' music. And... I'm trying to think if if they burnt all of this music onto a CD or if we were if they'd plugged in like an MP3 player or something. But when the sun goes down was one of those songs that as a child it would come on and it was like I'd been possessed. <laughs> um there was just something about it. Okay, I'll just I'll take you through what I love about it. Great. It's it's the jaded northern accent. It's it's the sudden tempo change in the middle. Tempo change. I hate myself <laughs> analysing it. Uh, I'm going to read you out a dissertation I've written on the Arctic Monkeys. Um, <laughs> no, it's just this huge, there's just this like slow section at the beginning and then there's just this, you know, huge moment in the middle. And as a child, I knew all of the words. I've always had a very good memory and so I can pick things up very quickly. But this song was just insane to me and I loved the change and I loved to headbang to it in the back of the car Yeah. and my parents just thought it was really funny to laugh at me while I did that but it's just it's incredible and I'm pretty sure it's um it's about like a prostitute or something but as a child I had no idea of this I just loved it and I, it was actually a big fight between when the sun goes down and um Oh, what's it called? Should I stay or should I go now? Oh, Oh, my God. That's such a good song. And that's the kind of vibe of my parents' playlists is these sort of like just aloof, jaded northerness because they're both from the Midlands and they think they're northerners. Um, And so I think their music taste throws that out there. And as a young southern child, I mean, you can imagine me sort of singing along to it in my very posh accent, but... It's just, it's just an amazing song. trying not to listen, but your eyes are staring at the ground. She makes a subtle proposition. I'm sorry, love, I'll have to turn you down. Oh, we must be up to summer. What are the chances? Sure, it's more than likely. I've got a feeling in my stomach. I start to wonder what your story might be, what your story might be. Yeah, cause they say it changes when the sun goes down. Yeah, they said it changes when the sun goes down And they said it changes when the sun goes down Around here Around here And I 
love, I love because I'm naturally just, I would say, just chirpy, I would say, is my natural state. Or lively, maybe. Um, <laughs> so these sort of, this sort of aloof, aloof, grumpy man is something I like to every so often, you know, I think it suits every mood for me. Even if I'm in a good mood, I can just sort of bounce up and down to it aggressively. It's a way to get out the small amount of aggression that I produce. And yeah, I, I just love it. I love, I, it's one of those songs that is just, it's, it's a sort of genre. What would we call this genre? Angry, angry man? <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about your next track. Okay. So um, I'm a big fan of things that make me like cheerful laugh. I love like clever, clever lyrics is something that I am obsessed with. I get very easily obsessed with things with very clever lyrics. So when I was younger, I was obsessed with Tom Lehrer. Yeah. Um, you know, I loved Poisoning Pigeons in the Park and... Um, when you're old and great, but the issue was that a lot of the humor was um, sort of American. Okay. Um, and I didn't really get some of it because it was like it's sort of in jokes. And also, he was, you know, I'm not sure when he was around, but he he was slightly older than me. Let's just say. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so I didn't always get all the humor. And then I think it was when I was in about year thirteen, and my mum just sent me a text with this weird link attached to it that was. The title was something like Isabel Makes Love on National Monuments or something like that. <laughs> and I was like, okay, what's this? And I just ignored it. And then uh, I went home and she was like, no, you have to listen to Jake Thackeray. Like, it's amazing. So I listened to Isabel Makes Love and I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't mad at it, but I wasn't like, ah, okay. You know, I, I, I was either way on it. Anyway, so then um, my mum obviously started blasting his album. Um, around the house and then I was sort of was like oh and you just catch the odd phrase and be like oh no that's that's really funny that's really clever and so then I just like listened to the whole album cover to cover which as a person I never do <laughs> and um yeah I'm just obsessed and if I had to make some suggestions that aren't the one I've chosen I would say Miss World um which is just amazing. Uh, it's like a, about a pageant and stuff. And the thing about Jake Thackeray, okay, is that some of his songs, like the, I watched this documentary on him and it was like, he was the sweetest, like a lovely, really eloquent, clever man from Yorkshire. And, um, but he, in his songs, he impersonates this kind of Yorkshire personality of like this kind of misogynistic man. And uh, yeah, it's amazing. I love it. I, it turns out I love misogyny. No, wrong. Um, <laughs> no, but I just love the sense of humour. And uh, me and my mum were also obsessed with uh, the blacksmith and the toffee maker. <clears throat> and uh, that's like just a really beautiful song. And uh, when we were on holiday, because it had so many words in it and it goes on for a while we would we would just sort of be walking along the beach I mean <laughs> the most boring people ever walking along the beach and just saying the lyrics back to each other 
back Aww. and forth just because just because it's funny and and we love we just loved the song anyway so I didn't pick that because I can't listen to that because it's so attached to that memory mm. that it makes me cry because I just want to be on a beach with my mum just you know not thinking about anything so I can't I can't listen to that and it's the same for her I'm I'm not a pathetic daughter she feels the same so it's okay <laughs> She she loves me too, Alex. It's fine. Um, so I've chosen The Lodger by Jake Thackeray, which is um, just really funny. Uh, and yeah, I just, I love Jake Thackeray. I mean, even if you're not listening to a word he's saying, his voice is just really comforting. And um, yeah, just beautiful words. And The Lodger's really sort of dirty. It's about, uh, and I think actually at the beginning of the um the the recording of it that I put on the playlist, he says, uh, this next song is very dirty. And uh, yeah, it's just stuff like that. I just adore about him. And it's just about this guy, um, a a lodger, and he just uh, gradually has sex with um, every member of the family that he's living with. Um, But (laughs) it's amazing. And of course, it's not as crude as that in the song. It's very well put. But yeah, I just, I love a bit of Jake Thackeray and he has loads of really wholesome stuff and just like really deep stuff. But I love, you know, the stuff that's, there's one of the songs that starts with, um, it's just, I love a good bum and a woman. It makes my day. (laughs) (laughs) It's just, it's just, I love it. Um, I just think that's what everyone needs. Everyone needs a bit of lightness and to be able to laugh at stuff and, you know, especially at the moment, I just put on the album and um, just listen to <laughs> bizarre songs about, you know, just this random man sleeping with all these people. And uh, but also, you know, talking about it in a very eloquent, quite well-spoken way <laughs> and very, very earnestly. And um, yeah, I just love it. But oh my God, anyone my age who I've ever played Jake Thackeray to is just absolutely bemused by it and just thinks it's the weirdest thing in the world. (laughs) (laughs) My landlady had three lovely daughters. They used to come and make my bed each day. They used to come and clean my living quarters. But their mother made quite sure they didn't stay. There was Mary, she seemed cherry. There was Helen, she seemed well and truly sceptical about my qualities. There was Julie, she was truly well proportioned, but her caution brought exhaustion on my aching arteries. But I was wrong, they weren't at all impervious to the possibilities of high romance. And I sensed a certain girlish nerviness in the way they folded my pyjama pants. And I was right for late one night, sweet little Mary, like a fairy as I lay sleeping, came a creeping to my side. She was mine, it was divine, but we were doomed, for very soon into the room came Sister Helen, and she cried. Mary, go to bed. Off Mary went. Now, young man, Julie said, for your punishment. We mustn't have a fight, we mustn't make a row, turn off the light. It's my turn now. <laughs> well, after all, I'm young. It's such like an old woman thing, isn't it? Because, I don't know, I feel like it's an older person's sense of humour. I think that's why people I've shown it to my age have been like, uh, what, it's just an old man with a guitar. Yeah. But... 
I just love it. And I also am a big fan of like um, Flanders and Swan. Um, yeah, yeah. I love, and I love um, a bit of Sondheim. You know, I just, I, I just like clever, clever words. I'm a sucker. I'm an absolute sucker. And I also just love, I love silly, silly humor. Like, my humor changes so much, but one day I can be laughing at, you know, someone slipping over and the next day I'll be like, mm, you know, I'm, I'm too good for that. I, I love puns now, you know, yeah. but um, yeah, I just love silliness. There's something I really like about that sort of intellectual, almost and when they give you a knowing look, like yeah. they know exactly what that pun is about or like they've yeah. done that completely on purpose. And there's so much of that in Sondheim. Uh, which I really love. So the next track, uh, yes. tell us about the next track. Okay, so I went to uh, Junior Junior Trinity Conservatoire, and ah. um, when I got there, so I was first study singing, obviously, but I was second study violin, and they, when you're second study violin and you just started, they put you in this in concertante, they call it, which is essentially. Um, the orchestra for the children and the people who can't play the violin very well. And um, so I was put in it, obviously, uh, and I loved it I because we played things like, you know, the Game of Thrones medley, you know, so it was all great fun and I was playing mostly open strings. So I, I was, you know, happy as Larry. Um, but anyway, so I had a desk partner who... Um, was actually really good at playing the violin and also the girl behind me. And uh, I think after about a term or two, they got switched to the big symphony orchestra and I just stayed <laughs> in Constantin. But um, I saw, I obviously became friends with these two girls and they were so like, so, you know what, so inclusive. Um, I feel like sometimes instrumentalists can be a little gatekeepy with, with singers and yeah. completely understandable because singers can be very annoying. But um, they were so lovely, and but I felt this dire need, probably the first time in my life, because I'm not a gal who is often concerned with fitting in. But I just thought these guys are so cool, and I want, you know, they were talking about different violin concertos and you know violinists that they loved, and I was like, right, this is I'm getting on, I'm getting in on this. So <laughs> I went home, I downloaded um, an album of violin concertos. I think it's pretty much the first one I found on iTunes, and yeah, and it was, um, I think you pronounce the name Kung Wa Chung, and I, that was that was it. I was I was just obsessed, mostly with the Tchaikovsky. And then my parents took me to see it um, played live. And it was by the Tchaikovsky Orchestra, which was insane. They were so good. And they were, I'm, I'm assuming Russian. <laughs> no, they, they, they definitely were Russian. Um, and it was just insane. I've never seen it in an orchestra before. The first desk violins were turning back while playing and like laughing, joking around like musically with the people around them. And it was just this beautiful experience to watch them. So the reason I've chosen the final movement is because it's kick-ass. I mean, come on. It's aggressive. I mean, I used to be obsessed with the second movement, which is like this sort of just this really like, oh, it's just beautiful. And um, just a moment for the violinist to really show off, I think. Yeah. Um, and then when I was bad at playing violin and, and well, I still am. But when I was younger, I, I was I had that cocky amateur feeling where I was like, I, I could probably play that. <laughs> so I um, bought the score. <laughs> 
And then my aunt and uncle came down and um, and I played it for them. And the frosty silence that followed my playing was harsh. But do you know what? It, it scarred me to this day. But, it, you know, it was rightfully so because I had butchered a lovely piece of piece of Tchaikovsky and you know it was on me but um so I couldn't possibly choose the middle movement because um you know it it it, it harbors bad memories of of humiliation and terrible violin playing but um <laughs> the third movement is so just incredible I think and also when I saw it um the soloist was stamping his feet as he was playing and his um like bow hairs were flying everywhere and it was just, he was putting everything into it. He probably had an argument with someone just beforehand. <laughs> and he was like, this is, I'm going to get it out in the third movement. And yeah, it's just, oh, I love it. I love the whole concerto is amazing. And there's not many pieces I think you can sit through like, I don't know how much it is in total. I reckon about an hour, and an hour, maybe an hour and 30 minutes. I don't think there are many pieces where you sit through and you're just riveted. You're like, oh my God, then he did that. Tchaikovsky, <laughs> you, cra you crazy man. But um, yeah, that's how, I, that's how I feel about the Violin Concerto. And um, yeah, the third movement, oh my gosh. And also, I think, you know, a lot of people, oh, you can't dance to classical music. Come on, come on that, now. Mm, you can easily yeah. dance to this. You can boot me properly. Wonderful. Love a bit of Tchaikovsky. Uh, tell us about your next track, which is very different. <laughs> okay, so it has been said that I do have the music tastes of a teenage boy. And um, I think this, this song proves that. But the thing is, at the gym, I'm lifting weights. I don't want to be listening to... Well, actually, that's, that's wrong. I listen to anything, but most of the time I listen to my, my playlist, which is called Boys with a Z. And um, it's just a lot of grime because I'm a big grime gal. Um, when did this start? It was a friend of mine's younger brother <laughs> introduced me, which proves the theory that it is... Um, I am a teenage boy. But... Okay, I will defend this piece till my dying day. I was thinking to myself, I need, a I need a bit of grime on the playlist. What should I have? It was between this and Professor X. Now, if you don't listen to Professor X after this, I'll be sorely disappointed because Professor X is one of those songs where you'll have it in your head the rest of the day. But anyway, I'm sure you feel the same about German, Alex. I I'm sure you'll be a huge fan. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is about German, okay, is... <clears throat> Imagine this, fresh as me, 
um, I'd just become obsessed with, with the song and I met uh, my flatmates and we went out for our first night together. We were coming back. I was drunk. I'm pretty sure we had a McDonald's. And someone said to me, <laughs> what music do you like? And I played them um, <laughs> German. <laughs> uh and I, it's such a huge shock to me that they didn't just abandon me then. <laughs> um, <laughs> but they were like, oh, I love the song. And then I was like, oh, my God, everyone loved this song. It's a great song. Um, and it's just, it's a guilty pleasure of mine, okay, Grime. And you don't have to tell me that, you know, misogyny, misogyny is a huge problem for Grime. You know, we're tackling it one by one. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I just... I love it. I love it to work out too, but I also love it if I've got my sunglasses on, if I've got, you know, a fire outfit on and I want to feel just that little bit cooler, stick some grime on. And German, I mean, is the one. I mean, who can't feel cool listening to that? Do you know what the thing is? It just pulls out that teenage boy like, I want a big expensive car and I want lots of women to be around me. That's what it pulls out of me. Can I just say that your uh, teenage boy impression is spot on? <laughs> thank you, thank you. Well, I've had lots of hands-on experience um, with, obviously, with with friends' brothers who have who have given me recommendations, which is very upsetting. Oh, okay. um, yeah, for my friends who then have to listen to me listening to it, but also um, on my gap year. Now, this I'm going to make a real case for this because I can sense you're slightly hesitant on my gap year. Okay, I went and I lived in Paris. And I will say there is something for a song that just boosts you a little bit and just says, yeah, 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 I'm a gangster. I'm not a gangster. Okay, I'm, you know, I'm <laughs> pretty much as far away from being a gangster as you could be. But for that, for that three minutes, I am a gangster. And I'm like, don't cross me. It, it boosts my self-esteem. And when mm-hmm. you're in a city you don't know, you you need that and um a lot of grime I associate with Paris because I found I the thing is okay in Paris they're all beautiful people and they all dress in all black and I think from those two statements alone you can tell that I would stick out because (laughs) I don't dress like that um and so I already felt like I was sticking out and I needed something to be like, no, 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 I'm exactly where I need to be. I'm a, I'm a bit of a gangster in my spare time, you know. <laughs> and um, yeah, German is the song for that. And I, I think the next time you go for a run, stick on German at the end when you're feeling at your, at your lowest. And let me just say, it will give you the boost you need. <laughs> well, I'm pretty sure that I, when I'm running around Alexandra Park, there's a moment, and it happened today, where there's a group of guys loitering around. Yeah. And I'm like, are you, is that where you're selling drugs? Um, <laughs> is that what this is? And then you go yeah. around again, there's a bit of a smell going on. I'm like, mm, pretty, pretty sure that's what's going on now. Um, <laughs> but then it's also, are they going to beat me up? Like, yeah. what's going to... So you've got to do what you've got to do to feel confident and exactly. to have that, like, don't yeah. go near me thing. Um, yeah. For sure. In Paris, you... there's, a, there's a huge thing of, like, the metro face, and I practised it a lot because I think I've got a naturally... Um, I'm not complimenting myself here when I say I think I've got an approachable face because I just sit, I've got wide eyes. I've got the dough look, you know, I've got to, uh, I don't know what I'm doing. Ask me for directions. I'll be nice, <laughs> you know, but 
When you are in Paris, you need the metro face, which is, I hate you, I hate my life, don't you dare even think about looking at me or speaking yeah. to me. And and this is the perfect song for that also. I mean, but also so is when the sun goes down. Gosh. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, so, you know, it's important. I think, you know, cultivate your metro face while you're running around Alexandra Park. Um, <laughs> And you know, listen, listen to some grime. I mean, what what's the worst that could happen? Yeah, what is the worst that could happen? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, so from Paris to German to from Grime, tell us about your next track. So my next track is Nadia by Nitin Sony, and it is okay. So um. First of all, like Nitin Sawney is just um insanely talented, amazing, eloquent man. And I've actually I've heard him speak a few times and every time I've heard him speak, I've un- not understood about five words he's said because they've been so long and I've you know that's the uh, that's the level of eloquence we're talking about is I just don't some words I have to google and then I'm like that's a really good word. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, he's so eloquent and amazing. And the thing is, a lot of the time his music gets put in this sort of world music category or like fusion. But um, he sort of he doesn't really like that label because um, because he he I think he thinks that fusion implies that there are you know it implies that there are two separate ideals, and he thinks yeah. that it should just be universal really and you know, that music shouldn't be separated into, you know, strict categories, which I completely agree with. Yeah. But um, yeah, so basically, I just love, I love, oh my God, recently, I've just discovered a love for Indian classical music. So I just love, uh, like, oh, what was it I found the other day? There was just this album of like Hindustani classical um, vocal songs and it's just insane I mean it takes so much skill um, and I wouldn't even know the first thing about maneuvering my voice like yeah. that and you know I spend a lot of time practicing but I would have no idea and it's just insane to me and just gorgeous in just like it's honestly like yeah oh to me it sounds like like chocolate you know yeah um but the thing about Nithin Sawney is that he so we're not going to use the word fusion but he combines um Indian classical music with like loads of other styles because he has a, a big background in um lots of other you know sort of musical training uh areas yeah and um so he combines it with jazz and then sort of more latiny vibes and um pop hip-hop like it's incredible and Nadia is um I actually love it so much that I had it as my alarm for a bit but that completely <laughs> ruined it so I had yeah, to I'll do it <laughs> I had to get rid of it but um it's just the starting 
just the starting bit where the, where the lady's just singing. Ah, it's so that was a terrible impression of it, but it is so gorgeous and it's just amazing. And I think if you listen to like a Nitin Sony album like Beyond Skin, there are so many different moods in that album and so many different emotions, but the underpinning thing is just like I just you just get a warmth and an excitement from everyone involved really and um I watched a few of his sort of live stream gigs that he's done recently and he's just so skilled and warm and clever oh I just got a little bit of a crush I won't lie (laughs) um (laughs) but um yeah I think Nadia is just so beautiful and relaxing to listen to and um yeah but I love I love loads of Nitin Sawney and um there's so many of his songs it was difficult to choose one but Nadia is the one that I discovered and was like yes and I've shown it to many people and many people have been like wow that's incredible Mm. I think it's yeah it's just one of those things because I just think the average British person Mm. if I sat them down in a room and played them Nitin Sawney or just played them some something they've never heard before like this kind of combining of different genres and different backgrounds I think they would love it but I think it's just this sort of you know I'm saying it as if he's undiscovered I mean he has millions and millions and millions of fans but I just think there needs to be more combining I think there needs to be more sort of international links musically and I love I just love listening to things I've never heard before and I love the sort of um, Indian classical music is just fascinating to me and I'm dying to go to India. went to Azerbaijan um god I, I'm sounding so jet set aren't I <laughs> Paris Florence and Azerbaijan. <laughs> no I went on Azerbaijan I went to Azerbaijan on this sort of um for this music conference that we were singing at as a choir and uh, we were leaving a um restaurant and uh, we decided I mean it wasn't my idea because I hate doing this sort of thing. We decided that because the waiters have been so nice to us, we would do them a little song before we left. I mean, who wants that? Not me. Not at 11, 11 at night. I'm full of food. I want to go to bed. So we sang this little barber shoppy, like, good night, sweetheart, where it's time to go, kind Gee. of thing. Uh, it is. Oh, my God, such a tune. And there'd been these sort of instrumentalists while we were there who were just sort of playing. And they were amazing. But one of them while we were singing this a uh, little bit barbershop stood up and started walking towards us and just started doing this the only thing I could describe it as is very 
in the style of a sort of call to prayer. Okay. Over the top of it. And it sounds so melodramatic and stuck up to say this, but honestly, it was one of the best experiences of my life. And afterwards, it was one of those really frustrating moments where I turned around and was like, did anyone record that? And everyone was like, no, no, it was too incredible. I didn't have my phone in my hand. Because it was just this insane, amazing sound when the two styles were combined. And I mean, if that's just from, you know, a, a tiny little barbershop, you know, song that's just a little blast song you put at the end of a program, yeah. you know, and this amazing just vocalist just going crazy above us, then I mean, there's just endless possibilities. And I, I wanted to take that man, marry him, bring him back and then force him to make music with me for the rest of my life. But unfortunately, that's not how the world works. I think that's frowned upon. Uh, <laughs> but I, I love that um, that sort of moulding and like meshing of different genres and yeah. I saw this project back in Nottingham mm. where they this organisation were going into schools doing a combination project with gamelan instruments and rap. Oh, and like cool. on paper, it's like, oh, how was that going to work? <laughs> yeah. uh, but it was, it was stunning, and it really engaged with the kids, and mm. it, like both the sort of rap side of it, and just gamelan as being quite a fascinating thing to watch yeah, and because of all yeah. the instruments and stuff. But I think the, the, the way uh, the sort of future of music is going to be uh, sort of littered quite a lot with. It's not the right word, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> terrible. Um, but I think quite trash. a lot of trash. <laughs> uh, I think there there are a lot of composers out there who are, you know, classically trained, yeah. um, but actually love a bit of jazz and mm. oh, genres are sort of. It's it's always tri quite tricky when you're trying to label something because actually mm. a lot of the time it crosses so many different yeah. genres and stuff and that's I think what makes it quite interesting and when you've got these composers who are writing opera but it's actually really jazzy and mm. it's like is it actually opera or is it more for musical it's like no it is opera or well actually I don't, I don't know it is what yeah. it is like just embrace exactly it. yeah um, I mean just humanity god I sound so I sound really like I'm on something this is the content we're here for go on <laughs> I just think if we've learned anything in the 21st century, I think we could all benefit from considering that we just, as as I think the universe, not even just humanity, let's not glorify ourselves, the universe de defies labels. I just think it's such a bad idea. And I think it, that is part of the issue with, um, you know, these sort of elitist perception of classical music is that there's just one big box and everyone just sticks classical music in there yeah and actually classical music is so many different things people ask me all the time like so what sort of music are you into and I'm like well classical music is probably yeah. how I should describe it but within that um that's like encompassing renaissance polyphony and all this yeah. like baroque stuff opera like some really weird out there contemporary music that is nothing like William Byrd like exactly yeah uh, oh don't <laughs> um I'm not a fan what 
Oh, come on. Come on now. Bird just doesn't like altos, and that's okay. But uh, altos don't like him either. So um, That's such a shame. There is a piece where that's coming up, actually, that I like to think the altos are going to love. It's split alto. Okay. And it's, oh, good. Oh, Again. It's, it's just, it's really fun, Bird. It's really fun. Okay. Okay, good. Um, <laughs> waiting for you to... Um, yeah, anyway. Yeah, no, I think that that's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see how but yeah mm, so many things to say <laughs> it's difficult because I can completely understand um the frustration of someone like Nitin Sawney when he keeps on being put into a box of world music when actually he's like don't minimize what I do to world music because that's it's just it's an odd way to describe what he does because that's that's not it at all but yeah. then you you look for another term and you're sort of like it, it it's it's indescribable but it's incredible and everyone should listen to it and that's that's the end of that okay great um, <laughs> great tell us about your next track okay so um i love opera i just um when i watch an opera i am wide-eyed glued to the screen and usually making the same emotional facial expressions as the person on stage which is uh, horrible to be in the same room as and um but I love Barbara Seville always have I watched it with my parents when I was quite young um and yeah I also obviously who doesn't love a bit of Maria Callas come on mm-hmm. she is just stunning uh, in so many different ways and the reason I chose Una Voce Poco Fa is because um, first of all it's just an incredible piece and it's one of those dream pieces that everyone has you know um, and when I was when I first started singing lessons with someone who wasn't my mum at um, Junior Trinity I she said so um, you know what stuff do you really want to sing and I naively um, thought she meant, you know, what's your like dream piece ever? So I said Una Voce Bocca and she went, she laughed for about 30 minutes, I would say. <laughs> and um, and she said, you know, take 20 years and, and then come back to it. Um, but it's just incredible piece emotionally as well. I think it has, oh, it's so cheeky. And there's this video of Maria Callas doing it. And there aren't many videos of Maria Callas performing stuff. So I, you know, I search the internet for them and this one she's so incredibly emotive and so cheeky and so nuanced and she's got this little rap and she's sort of using it and looking over her shoulder at the audience like oh you know what I'm gonna do if someone crosses me and it's just incredible and whenever I feel like oh I don't want to practice today I watch a bit of Maria Callas being insane and I think, no, uh, I need to practice because I'm never going to be that good, but, you know, I may as well try. Sono picchietti, mi lascio mettere, mi lascio mettere. 
I've always loved opera singers that are just really insanely expressive, like Cecilia Bartoli. Mm. Just the eyebrows, the insanity. And I just love that because, well, maybe that I'm just saying that because I have overactive eyebrows. I do think there's something really human about singing and just being completely in it and just completely human as well. I think um, that's what I look for and I love it. I love when someone's really silly and there's not like the consideration of being pretty or being alluring. Yeah, Um, yeah, yeah. I love, as you know, I I love silly things, but I, I just love just committing to it. And I think Maria Callas is stunning and ebullient because she's so in it and so unafraid to be just completely completely insane i love it we come to your final piece of the seven yes so um as i've mentioned i grew up in a very pianist heavy household yeah and my sister was a huge fan of rachmaninoff and elegy in E-flat minor, I guess, um, was uh, one of her favourite pieces. Another one that's really, really lovely and horribly dramatic is um, the prelude in C-sharp minor, I think. And that's like, dong, dong, dong. And it just starts and it's so cloudy and miserable and that's I think that's in the film Shine which also side note I used to be obsessed with have you ever seen it no (gasps) oh Shine is fabulous it's it's I no, I'm not even going to spoil it for you add it to your list add it to your list you will love it it's it's all very amazing music and heartbreaking at the same time it's about a man you know a child prodigy prodigy who goes to conservatoire has a mental breakdown okay and then it's it's a it's a true story uh, about this man called uh, David Helfgott. And um, yeah, it's just heartbreaking, but beautiful. And there's so, so much amazing music in it. Anyway, so that prelude in C-sharp minor, also fabulous. And I had lots of friends when I was younger who, you know, when you're a teenager and you just want something bashy to play mm. uh, and they used to bash it out and it would, I, I loved it. It was very emo, but my sister loved Elegy. And, um, you know, at first I was sort of like, me, it's okay. But uh, the real thing about Elegy that you don't often get in, I think, piano rep is um, there's this huge climax in the middle and it's just amazing. And um, God, such an inarticulate way of putting it. It's just amazing. But it is. Uh, and my sister dis- obviously because my sister was practicing, it, I think, for an exam or something or for an audition. And she was sort of describing to me, because I was, I've always been, you know, sort of intellectual. No, <laughs> <laughs> I've always been all about, you know, the sort of story behind music. So I used to always be that annoying younger sister. You'd stand next to the piano and go, yeah, but what's the story? Mm-hmm. And so she she said, you know, when she was playing it, she was thinking, you know, the beginning is this sort of, it's very sad it's kind of desolate lonely and it's just this guy sitting there thinking about these amazing things that happened and then this huge climax in the middle is which is just so like bittersweet is um you know being being back in that moment when you were you know when you were young and in love and stuff and 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 then it goes back to the thing at the beginning and it's just 
oh but I don't have that anymore and it's such a beautiful piece and um I've actually never heard apart from my sister of course I've never heard it in a recital or anything and I'd love to see it in like a concert hall or something mm. and just you know hear it but there's just I remember <laughs> I was um so someone oh gosh I'm so jet set but uh you know when someone offers to let you stay at their house so <laughs> I was really annoying so I met this lady in Paris she was in my French class and she said, I live in Hamburg, you know, come come over to Hamburg. And I was like, I will take you up on that offer. <laughs> yeah, so a, a few months later, she just got an email from me being like, yeah, so uh, Hamburg, question mark. So um, I went to see her. And you know, when you sort of sit chatting with someone and someone you don't really know very well, which I think it's always fascinating, the things you chat about. And I remember she started one of the evening, we sat down to have dinner and she said, which movie stars do you think are the most attractive? And I thought that was such a funny way of, you know, getting to know each other. Yeah. <laughs> and we started arguing about, you know, who's prettier, Brad Pitt or Bradley Cooper. Amazing. Uh, Bradley Cooper every day, by the way. Come on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I would agree with you there. Actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah mm. of course. Anyway, so she, one of the evenings I said to her, um, you know, I saw loads of CDs on her shelf and I was like, you know, um, what sort of music do you like? And she said she loved Rachmaninoff. Mistake. <laughs> you know when someone says they like something and then you're like, oh my God, yeah, yeah, I love them. And then you go off on one and she just, she kind of zoned out. Um, and I said, I, I, because I love that, I think it's Piano Concerto number three is just oh, incredible. But, elegy I started talking about and she said that she knew it now we've all been there where we said we known something okay and then we've realized we have not the foggiest what the other person is talking about and that's exactly what happened to this poor woman but I was in my flow I was in my zone and (laughs) there was no bringing me out of it even if she had no clue what I was talking about and um yeah so I was like oh my god and the climax in the middle and uh, and then I started talking about how you know my my sister always used to think that it was it got faster in as it got you know progressively bigger and bigger and 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 climax but um the recording done by Rachmaninoff himself if anything he pulls it back a little bit and it's just oh it's just anticipation and just this delayed gratification of this huge like bright vivid chord at the very top and then it just sinks back down again into into you know um misery and uh, this lady was just sitting there like no idea what you're talking about mate and also I was speaking in pigeon French so come on she had (laughs) probably using the wrong verbs she had no idea what I was talking about uh so yeah but it's just incredible and I think I think, you know, give me a Rachmaninoff, Rachmaninoff piano music any day of the week. I'll take it. It's just gorgeous and so emo. I love it.
Thank you very much, Ellen. That was a glorious seven well, list of seven. Well, not that. Great. Well, I think that'll do. Um, yeah. oh, should we call great. it a day? Should we have a little break? <laughs> yeah, of course. Let's have a break. We'll have a break. And um, I'll see you for part two in a bit. Okay. Okay, bye.